Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you, Gary, and thanks, as always, to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Find fantastic podcasts at tangentboundnetwork.com, and all your entertainment needs are at axtel.com. Guys, gals, friends, I have no idea how to begin explaining my excitement for today's episode. This is a huge honor for me, and we have a major announcement from someone I have respected since I was four years old, and I just didn't know it. Let me explain. Today, I welcome Carrie Stinson to the show. Who is Carrie Stinson? Well, that question has many answers. Currently, he's a photographer and podcast producer based out of Dallas, Texas. But to understand how he got there, you must first understand who Carrie was and who really he will always be. For 22 years, Stinson toured and filmed as the costume performer for Barney the Dinosaur. He toured with production shows including Barney's Big Surprise and Barney's Musical Castle before doing seven seasons of the PBS television series Barney and Friends. And understand, when he was on tour, they were doing shows sometimes two, three times a day. They were, they were doing Broadway style, and it was a lot. And he was inside that suit. Now, this is where I want all my children's entertainment friends to pay attention. If you've listened to this show before, you know we started in and are still very connected to the industry of entertainers aimed at bringing joy to children at their birthday parties. Something you may not know, Barney the Dinosaur started out and produced everything they did in Texas. Before blowing up nationally and internationally, Barney made appearances at birthday parties. It was just this local thing, and it totally happened. And Carrie was the guy who did those birthday parties before becoming the PR Barney when it blew up nationally, and then eventually the main dino on stage and on TV. I have to say, this seems to be the year of this show of me exploring major children's entertainment brands for this show. From The Wiggles to Barney, I have really, really enjoyed this, and oftentimes cynical adults give these kinds of things a raised eyebrow. But remember, there are also adults, the adults who create the shows, who, like I mentioned just a moment ago, who do birthday parties for children, people who are passionate for children's entertainment and respect what shows like Barney or bands like The Wiggles do for children. Now, I encourage, whether you're a cynic or whether you support something like this, just to give you a new perspective, I encourage everyone to go back and listen and just watch five minutes of Barney jumping around on stage. Look up Barney Live in New York City. Look up Barney's Big Surprise. Actually, Barney's Big Surprise, you'll see Carrie. Look up Barney's Big Surprise. Just watch the first five minutes where he pops out on stage and does the theme song. And think about that. That is an adult doing a 360-degree jump inside a 50-pound suit. That alone should earn your respect, and it has me mine, because I'll admit it, I went back, I watched a lot of Barney, I watched a lot of Carrie's projects, and holy Hannah, after listening to Purple Tales and understanding what was all involved in that costume, just as an adult that respects something like that, not only their mission for children, but the physicality involved... It's crazy. You should really go check it out. After exiting the purple suit, 
Stinson began focusing his career on his photography. He's amazing. Go check his photography out at kerrystinsonphotography.com. Link in the description box below. And though the life experiences and love for one another shared between the quote-unquote Barney people who made it all happen stayed with him, Kerry thought he had mostly put the big purple dinosaur behind him and was going to make a career as a freelance photographer. And then, and he has. And then, during a podcast on entrepreneurship, because he has been so successful as a photographer, Kerry's interviewer, with his permission beforehand, Kerry will tell this story, brought up his time as Barney. And then Kerry started getting emotional, telling all the stories from his time with the Mega Kids franchise. I mean, there were hospital visits and small performances and just memories that it all came flooding back. And that's when he decided he had to share that Barney story with the world, a tale of dedicated Texans who wanted to entertain and educate children while spreading a message of unconditional love. Kerry's first podcast, Purple Tales, aired as both a podcast on iTunes and concurrently as a YouTube video series. It delved into the world of Barney from talking to fellow costume performers, voice actors, and the team of people who turned Barney the Dinosaur into a worldwide phenomenon. The stories and show and tell were especially engrossing for those of us, like me, who grew up with Barney and became fascinated with the behind-the-scenes aspect of it. But after 23 episodes, Kerry put that limited series to rest. But now he's back with an even broader podcast that he is announcing exclusively on Talk for Two. I am so honored and thrilled to be a part of this journey. When my parents took little toddler me to see Barney's Musical Castle in Hershey, PA, I had no idea I would one day play a small part in how the man inside the suit on that stage shared his story. Here now, with a very special announcement, our interview with Kerry Stinson. I can't believe I have Barney over Skype. Well, I should say he is so much more than Barney. Kerry Stinson, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Thank you for making the time I to do this. wonderful. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me on. Oh, well, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, let's begin at the beginning um, because I have devoured every single episode of Purple Tales podcast, and I'm still a little unclear on like what you wanted to do before Barney kind of came into your life. You were you were a waiter at Chili's, and then you went on this audition for this thing called Barney. But what had you as a young, I guess, teenager, early twenties? What what did you imagine for your life before Barney entered? I I was planning to be a musician. I had gone to college to become a piano player. Um, and was. I was in uh, different bands playing music and, um, you know, looking for the next job when I stumbled into that wonderful purple dinosaur. Now, was the dinosaur, this is just, this is just for my curiosity, was sure. this the, was this what I affectionately call the blue Barney or, or had you, by the time you entered, had they tweaked the, the suit? So when I entered, they had just done the first three videos. Right. I mean, there was no TV show at this point, and I was doing birthday parties. Mm -hmm. So while they were figuring out and getting ready for the TV show is when I was doing licensed birthday parties for them. So it would have been that blue dog costume. The first time I got in the big costume for the TV show, uh, it had gone purple. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, because I remember one thing. They, it was supposed to be purple, but the camera picked it up blue, which was which was really interesting to me. And yes. What was it like that first time putting on that suit? 
I, I mean, you hadn't done costume work before. I mean, what's going through your head as you're wearing this umpteen pound suit for the first time? I was blown away by the reaction of the children. Really? I didn't realize there would be that much effect. There was no TV show at this point. So, and I really didn't know the character at this point. Mm-hmm. And see how much the kids loved this character was was pretty amazing. Had the videos gone national at that point, or were they still local in in Austin? They were trying to get them national. They were in some blockbusters, but it had not gone completely national at that point. So you got to watch it explode from this little quite literally backyard thing to this national international phenomenon. What was, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but what was sure. the moment where you realized, holy cow, this is bigger than Texas. This is bigger than the Southern region. This is a childhood phenomenon. Well, there's two things for me. The first, um, when I went to go work for, for uh, the lions group, which is who had Barney and friends, you know, I was the second person. There was a, David Joyner was doing the TV show at that point, mm-hmm. and they pulled me in to do a photo shoot. So I came into the studio to do the photo shoot. Well, it was for People Magazine. Oh wow! And I thought, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? It was with all the kids from the TV show at that time. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, I did a mall appearance for J.C. Penney's, and there's eight thousand people at a mall. I'm like, are you kidding me? 8,000 people? I mean, the mall is lined to meet Barney. And it went from 8,000 in Dallas, Texas that weekend. Next weekend, we're in New York, it's 25,000. To meet Barney for five seconds? Yeah. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is amazing. How much promotion had they done? Like, Was it kind of just catching on on its own word of mouth? Or was there a publicity machine behind you at this point? No, there was no publicity machine. It was off of PBS. It was off of that. Remember, we were a small company in, right. in Dallas, Texas, Allen, Texas. Mm-hmm. So, no, there there wasn't a huge publicity going on. It was all word of mouth. That is just – that is phenomenal. What do you think it was that, that caught fire? What do you think the parents, the children saw in it that, it, that they latched onto it so well, fiercely? It was absolutely the children because the yeah. parents weren't huge – I mean, some of them were, but a lot of them didn't understand it. We didn't try to entertain adults, you know, like Sesame Street does. And I think the kids just resonated that Barney was so true. He was their friend and unconditional love. And I think they really connected to someone that that just loved everyone. It was really an amazing character. And that's why I love him. I think he teaches a very important message, a very important developmental message. I'm open. In fact, this seems to be the season of the, the childhood entertainment on this show because we had Anthony Field, the Blue Wiggle on, and then I went to cover that for another site. They were here in New York. I stayed with those shows. I kind of aged out of those shows, but I stayed with them, I guess, because my interest in theater and my interest in film and TV production. And just to see the way the kids responded as I got older to watch it, it's like, it's, that's what it is. They attach to the love of it. They attach to this unconditional message that this purple dinosaur has for them. And you have, there's something you said, and if you don't want to answer this question, that's fine. I can edit anything. You have talked on, on the original podcast that you've done, and we'll get to the new one you're going to do here in a minute, that you don't talk about how you got into Barney how you would put the gear on. And I wondered, I was going to ask you, where's the entry point? How do you do that? I'm not going to ask you. 
I'm more interested in to know why you don't talk about it. Is it a personal thing for you? Is it a proprietary thing for the owners of Barney? Well, that was such a fascinating answer that you gave Nancy that I've kind of wondered, why do you shy away from talking about the, the technical aspects of being the performer in the costume? It, 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 the company has not said anything to me. It is really about how special. Yeah. I was part of something. I didn't realize how special this was and when I first started. I was looking for a job, to be very honest with you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I saw this amazing love. I saw this amazing character that touched these children. And I've always been about kind of keeping that special, that magic aspect of Barney. Yeah. So that's kind of the reason. I know that most of the audience that watches Purple Tales are adults, but at the same time, I kind of like to keep some of the magic involved in it. Because mm -hmm, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing, right, how they did that, how they built that. And it's in uh, one piece. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and not only that, but the one – so when I did the TV show, it was made for me. So it yeah. fit me specifically in the things that I was doing, and I was the only one that wore it. And, um, it was pretty, pretty incredible. You and the, you and the dino became one. That dino uh, sink. No question. Well, you spent a lot of time doing that, so that was very important. I had a question. This is something you guys didn't talk about yet on uh, on your podcasts. How much? How did you powwow with David at all? Was there an attempt to make it consistent? Because there's really I can't tell a difference between when he's in the suit and when it's you either taking the lead or being secondary. Was there, what, can you speak to that relationship between the two primary Barney performers? Absolutely. Um, and we did, there was an importance there. Um, this, and I've said this before on the podcast, this wasn't about Carrie or about David. When we got, when we became the character, we were the character and it was all about Barney. And the last thing you want is for a child to see Barney and go that that's not Barney from TV or that's not, you know, it's Barney. There's, there's one character. And so it was very important. So, you know, some of those moves, the 360s, the jumps, the aerials, you know, David created. And it was important for me to learn them and do them the way he did. And so we really tried to stay consistent. And then you've heard us talk about Miss Penny, our choreographer. Of course. Um, how much we loved her. She really was the one that, you know, was involved not only on the TV show, but the tour and making sure that we kept everything that is just so wonderful to hear. And uh, you mentioned to me off uh, off tape, I don't know if I can say this, that PTP uh -oh. is unfortunately not continuing, but continuing in a different form. You have some news for us, and I've known about it for a little bit, uh, but we're breaking it here today, November 6th. Uh, what's that news? Well, we have a brand new podcast coming. Um, called Purple Roads Podcast. And it's a show not only with all the Barney universe that everyone loved from Purple Tales, but we're also going to bring in other people from children's entertainment, people that I've met over the years. And I'm so excited to bring these inspiring people and tell their stories on this new show. That is really exciting. How did you come up with the name? I assume it has something to do with the road, the journey of being Barney for 22 years. It, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It is the journey. It is my journey. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the Wiggles and Anthony. He's, you know, I toured with them. Yeah. Um, the Wiggles were on tour with us. So we're going to actually have some people 
um, not just Barney people, but we're going to take it bigger. Some people that I have met over the years and have worked with and the people that I met, um, I met obviously all these incredible people with Barney and worked with them for years, but I also worked with the Wiggles. I worked with a lot of kids entertainment over the years, Carol Spinney from uh, Big Bird and all these incredible people. And what I found is we all feel the same about them kids entertainment we understand how important it is we understand how inspiring it is and and uh, i will obviously be able to relate to a lot of them so it's really exciting to be able to do this and the co-host each week is going to be someone else that's an insider so it's going to bring a connection with us so each week we're we're not only going to be excited to find out who the new guest is but also who the co-host is going to be so, and you're not announcing the first guest and the first co-host, correct? I, I'm not. Okay, good. We are very close on that one. And, uh, and I will tell you, the first show is actually going to be dropped December 6th. So a month from now, uh, the first show will be out. That's exactly why we're doing this today. In exactly one month, November 6th to December 6th, you will get to hear so many more stories from Carrie's journey as Barney. Are you going to venture outside that journey? Will there be episodes dedicated to what somebody else does? And, and maybe they don't necessarily touch Barney that you know of, but maybe it's still a relevant conversation. Well, I, I can announce this. Yes, we've got one of the shows that's coming up are going to be many of the voice actors from Dragon Ball Z. Oh, wow. I was, um, uh, and, uh, Josh Martin, a lot of people know, was one of the Barney actors. Mm-hmm. And now he's a voiceover actor on Dragon Ball Z. And so he's going to bring a lot of his friends on. And of course, I'm going to have a connection with him. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see this different world. Um, I I obviously understand um, what it's like with voiceover actors from the Barney world. So it's going to be fun to see this new and to learn a little bit about anime and what's involved in all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a tangent, but have you ever considered doing voiceover yourself? You have such a great speaking voice and you're so eloquent. Have you ever thought about doing voiceover? (laughs) Thank you very much. No, I I haven't. I I don't know. There was something about... about, um, um, the experience of being in that costume, I think, that kept me in that direction. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, now you're a podcaster. Welcome to the club. Welcome, Thank welcome. You. you mentioned the costume, something I didn't get to ask you earlier in this interview, and yes. that I've been reading about when you started as Barney doing the birthday parties. What generation of the costume was, was it the quote-unquote violet, quote-unquote blue Barney, or had they redesigned it from uh, Voss's days? Was it was it that original suit or was it the the more magenta suit? I'm just curious. Sure. Well, the interesting part is, you know, I started with birthday parties. Right. So that was actually a completely different costume that was uh, much simpler. When I moved to the TV show, it was after the blue one, mm-hmm. um, but it was still um, one of the earlier ones. So mm-hmm. at that time, that costume was probably 75 pounds. Wow. It it was never built for people. <laughs> it was more <laughs> built right for the audience. Yeah, and, and they figured out. Well, we'll figure out how we put someone in and we make it work from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the time I was doing the TV show, that costume had had really advanced. Because the reason I ask, and the thing I don't think 
people understand and people like like you know I come from the children's entertainment world of the the birthday party magicians and the the birthday party ventriloquists and that industry of birthday entertainers who who make a very nice living for themselves just staying in in that realm. I don't yes. think people realize that Barney came from that tier of success and just exploded. It was very popular in Dallas, as you've talked about, and right. it exploded into something more. So I think the reason I bring up, you know, what was the iteration, et cetera, et cetera, was because right. I think always keep working and you never know what's going to hit and what's going to go beyond your little backyard, no pun intended. No, absolutely. And that's a message I love telling because I will... I not only wasn't hired originally for the birthday party, but when I finally kind of talked my way into it, I was the second guy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just got really good at, at what I was doing. And so then I became the second guy when I finally got to be on Barney and Friends. And then I kept going until I became the guy on the TV show. So uh, there was a, a long path to mm-hmm. get there, but I just absolutely never stopped. Other thing I wanted to talk to you about, my yeah. favorite Barney video growing up, I, I mean, my second favorite was Live in New York because I was kind of creeped out by that iteration of the costume. I'll be honest. Uh, it was a little too pale and a little too square. But okay. <laughs> my favorite one was the tour you headlined, uh, the video for Barney's Big Surprise. I just have to know so that when I go back and watch it while I'm editing this and writing my prompters and working with you on this podcast, which, you know, we're not going to talk about here, but I'm involved and thank you for involving me. I have to know who's you, which one is you and which one is Josh, because it doesn't seem like there were that many switches in Big Surprise. I don't know. Were you just tapping each other out? if one of you needed a break or were there switches, how did that work with big surprise without giving too much away? When is it you? And when is it Josh? Sure. There was no tap out. They were all planned. They were all planned. Um, Josh came in when there was usually a a prop change. Mm -hmm. So the car, you remember when the car came on? Yes. Yep. So that was Josh. Oh, cool. The balloon. Do you remember the balloon at the beginning of the second act? Yes. That was Josh. So when the balloon went away, I came on. Oh, nice. And and the other time, there was a third time, and that was with the fiddle. Oh, yeah. So he went about the, and went to get the fiddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there was actually a change there. Oh, interesting. Because when there are the changes, he goes off for long enough that you think whoever's handling the wardrobe would be able and it'd be able to be just one. What did that allow? I, I understand it with New York City. You guys were in different locations and it was the, the quick. But what did that allow for the prop changes? Because there was enough time technically, at least it looked to me on the tape. Sure. I rewatched it last night before the interview. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, that it could have been one person. I don't care. I like relieving my childhood. Uh, that it could have been one person. What did that allow logistically for you guys to do with those prop changes? The rest. Mm-hmm. It gave a break. Yeah. It allowed us to, to have a break there. Sure. Um, That's great. And that was what was really, really important. I mean, you're talking about it's a very physical um, yeah. job, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And so, and remember, we're doing like Broadway style, right? Yeah. So we're Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. So doing that many shows plus PR in each city. Mm-hmm. And, and we, would, we would be on the road for nine months out of the year. Yeah. So physically, those little breaks were very important. You ended up in the hospital, didn't you? Um, possibly. Yeah. You talked about <laughs> it on your old podcast. 
you ended up in the in the hospital from yeah it was it was a very very physical show and yeah. and uh, yeah there was a couple times that um possibly could have had a concussion maybe oh my goodness of that i thought it was just dehydration that's crazy i had that i had that as well yeah yeah i had that as well well thank you on behalf of the millions of children who grew up with you and with barney thank you for doing that because i can tell by just talking to you you wouldn't change a minute of it not one minute and that's what's so exciting about this new podcast is we're getting a chance again to bring barney back bring these memories bring these people that are as inspired and as passionate as i am about it and we can't wait to tell these stories to the fans that obviously love and care about this character well i think what it is carrie and and correct me if i'm wrong maybe i'm a bit cynical i think or maybe I'm not cynical and I'm seeing the cynicism, that children's entertainment gets written off. It's not treated as important. It's not treated as sacrosanct in the same way as you might chronicle the history of the Rolling Stones. I wrote in my article for the Wiggles that, you know, it might seem silly. That one thing I noticed when I went to see them is they're still doing fruit salad and the kids right. still love fruit salad and yes. they're doing do the propeller, which is the new generation of stuff. And I'm writing about it. And I said, you might think it's silly to sort of talk about the canon in a way. Somebody might talk about Bob Dylan's work, but it's important. They're formative. Barney is formative. I love you. You love me. It's so simple. You know, you'd think somebody like, a you know, a cynical person may say a monkey could write it. But if a kid hears that only the most Educated child specialists know exactly how a child attaches to that. So all of this Barney and Wiggles history and all this stuff, it's important. And I almost want to I almost want to say, Carrie, you need to write a book about this because this history needs to be understood. And that's why some of my questions are so specific is because I don't want certain things about the production or or the way it worked or the way it was on the road to kind of get lost to history. It's important to me and I care very deeply about it and I can tell you do too. So would you agree it kind of gets written off and is not is not chronicled in the way that it should be by the music journalism at, at masses? Absolutely, and I'm so glad you, glad you brought that up, and that's the reason for this new podcast. I got to work with a lot of these, you know, uh, Carol Spinney did Big Bird, uh, The Wiggles. Every one of us believed in what we were doing, loved what we were doing, mm -hmm. and we know how important it was to the audience. We weren't out there to just make a paycheck. We knew we were doing something special, and we put our – our heart and our soul into it. And we have this opportunity and I have this opportunity because I know a lot of them to get that out there and, and to see the dedication that people had in educating and entertaining children. To that end, there are some historical questions that I have to kind of get in the weeds if we can, and then we'll get to your photography and what you've been doing now. Sure. Um, the Wiggles, it's talked about a lot in some Wiggle stuff I was watching and also some Barney stuff about how you guys did Radio City together. Was that the show that was the special 11 sold out shows or whatever it was that was the tape that was eventually released or was that a different run at Radio it, City? It was a different run. Oh. The, the one at Radio City was, it was actually in 94. Mm -hmm. That was before the Wiggles in America. And That's right. uh, that answered my question right there. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was, um, it was kind of the big kickoff for Barney because yeah. he had been doing the TV show, but then that happened. Uh, the Imagination Island, if you remember that, um, the big NBC special that Barney did came right after that. And it was actually being 
the production was going on as we were doing Radio City, and then the, the tour was coming after that. So that was really the big kickoff for Barnum. That's great. Now, this is a very specific question. It takes about a minute for me to kind of get this out. Okay. Um, this is something I noticed, like I said, as I got older and started watching the tapes. This isn't a complaint. This isn't to sort of call anybody out. This is just a curiosity. Okay. Your suit at Radio City was noticeably different, in, in my mind, and I've yeah. read some things, than David's suit. Now, all the other tours, they were kind of the same. They were not noticeable differences. I'm curious if there's a story as to why, like what was going on behind the scenes that you guys had sort of two different generations of suits at that one particular show. Is there a story there, or is that just it happened and you guys dealt with it? <laughs> If you remember. Well, what I'd say about that, you know, those were all hand done here in Dallas, Texas. Oh, wow. Um, we went to fittings after fittings. Mm -hmm. um, David and I are, are very different sizes. And so everything was fit. Everything was done by hand. Yeah. And, well, you know, Barney just took off. Yeah. So when Barney and Friends came on, and I think we've talked about this before, that or you've heard this before, that they did the first series and then it was canceled. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you know, the mothers and fathers started complaining and got back on the air, and it ramped up quick. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you know, we're going to do a show at Radio City. We've got to get a second performer because at that point it was just David. And so they had to quickly get me in. They had to get another costume in. They were doing – so it was really just about – ramping up things so quick that there was probably the consistency <laughs> that makes sense. They were, they were getting, they were catching up as quick as they could. Yeah. And then, and then they were able to go much bigger and get things done as we brought in other actors and all of that. See, that's the history that's fascinating to me because I would never in a million years with the, how involved those designs were and, and everything, I would have never said, Oh, we could take this TV show live because I think of anything that ever toured, it was as close to seeing a TV show tour the country as you possibly could get. And I have to commend everybody at that small company for saying, we're going to do this and we're going to do it big. That, that, I just love that. And that's why even to this day, I'll tell you, I was born in 94. I even made my mother buy me the It's a Colorful World. I was that old <laughs> because I wanted to see how well it was done because it just it blows my mind that they took this TV show on the road. It's amazing. Well, I'm so glad you feel that way and you understand it because it, it was amazing. You see kids shows. And this was so much bigger. The production was so much bigger. Yeah. You know, to have tour buses on a kid's show, three tour buses, to have all those trucks, to have all the things that they did, mm -hmm. it's just unheard of. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of those other kids' tours while we were out there, and they were all very jealous of what we <laughs> what we all had. We all had our own hotel rooms. <laughs> we were taken care of really, really well. But what an amazing production we had. I saw you. I have to tell you. I saw you in Musical Castle. At least I hope it was you, um, because that would be so cool. I saw you at Hershey, uh, Giant Center at Hershey, um, sure. Musical Castle, or it was Hershey Park Theater. I'm not sure which. Uh, it's Obviously, it was so long ago. But um, I have very limited memory, but I know that, that I was there, and and so, it's it, like I said, it stuck with me. Did you do photography on the road? How did photography enter your life? It's really funny because I did, but I wasn't a professional. I just mm -hmm. loved it. 
So I took pictures everywhere we went, but it really wasn't my passion at that point. I was more capturing these incredible places I was getting to go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, I did the TV show after that for 10 years and I started wanting to kind of have my own voice for a little bit, if that makes sense. You know, on the TV show, you've got producers and directors and choreographers and I kind of wanted to shoot for do something myself for a moment and mm-hmm. uh, took a photography class in Dallas, Texas, found the, the greatest uh, mentor in photography, uh, Bernetta Thomas. She's a teacher now in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And and there I went, started started my own business. That's wonderful. And it looks like it has been absolutely excellent to you uh and your stuff is beautiful i have to ask and i don't mean this cynically i'm just curious if people nostalgia is big the wiggles are doing pub shows in australia (laughs) for 18 plus crowds do you have people that are hiring you because they want barney as their photographer like i because it is a part of your story and people you, you google you for five minutes you know what you've done have have people hired you for their events because they want because of your past as much as your skill they have how does, oh, that, yeah. how does that make you feel? Is that cool or is it like, I want you to just focus on the photography. How does that make you you feel? You know, it's interesting. At first, I, there was probably a little bit of that. And that's why you, I wasn't doing a lot of interviews and I wasn't doing the podcast um, because I wanted to stand out as a photographer. Yeah. But I've seen how much people really love Barney and what it meant to them. Mm-hmm. And it's so passionate for me, obviously, that um, I love it. I love it that people enjoy the work that we did, and uh, it doesn't bother me one bit. <laughs> well, it feels like now you get to get the recognition you never got to get or, or maybe intentionally shied away from so that you could have some rest on the road while you were touring and while you were doing the TV show. Nobody knew what Carrie Stinson looked like. Nobody knew what David Joyner looked right. like. Now that we've grown older, not only do we care about the show, we care about the people who made the show, and that's what makes the podcasts that you've done and are doing uh, so fascinating. So I have to ask, what spurred the first iteration, Purple Tales, and when did you fall in love with talking to these people on the record? I did a show back in February um, called Bulletproof Mindset. It was an entrepreneurial show. Um, They wanted to have me on about my photography. Had no idea about Barney. Hmm. And when I went in to interview, he said, can we talk a little bit about your past? And I told him about Barney, and he said, you're kidding me. I said, I'm not. Google me, which, of course, I tell a lot of people that. And he Googled me. He goes, oh, my gosh. Can we please talk about it? And I said, sure. I'd never done it before. And I thought, you know what? Let's just see what happens here. Yeah. And these guys started crying. They got so, so caught up by hearing the hospital stories. And I thought, you know what? It's important that these stories get out there that we talk about the effects that this character had and, and that we had the chance to see. Um, and I got done. The response was so big. They said, you know, you should do your own show. And I've stayed in touch with all the Barney people. I'm in a unique position in the Barney universe because I worked with more people than probably any, any of the other performers because right. I did special events. I did the tour. I did the TV show. I did promotions. I did books. And I was really the only one to do that. So I was connected to to so many people that I thought, you know, they've never had their chance to tell their story. Mm-hmm. How great would it be to allow them and for people to hear their versions of what they went through? Yeah. And the response was just amazing. 
That's amazing. That is just awesome. And how'd you book the studio, the the studio that you did it out of, and were able to professionally film it? Yes, we have a we have a friend who uh, owns a studio in Dallas, Texas. His name's Jeff Crilly, and Jeff just fell in love with it, and so he he said, "Let's let's do it and let's do it big." And so that's where the purple studio came in and, and the whole deal and we, we put it together um my friend chris crafts and uh, nancy J, and uh, and i just started contacting people in fact i didn't tell the barney universe i was doing it i went to jeff harris who played baby bop yeah and i told him about this crazy idea i had and he said i'll come on <laughs> and he was nervous because he didn't know what was going to happen and we just recorded the first show yeah and then we put it out there and the response was so big that we thought, you know, we should just keep going. And so I kept calling people. And now so many of them are calling me. And I've got to, I can't even tell you how many people are going to be on the new show. And it's just so exciting. These people that some you've never heard of that have amazing stories. So then let me ask you this in a non-judgmental, in a non-admonishing way. Sure. Why, sure. why are you still changing everything over like what what made you say okay we're going to stop ptp and we're going to do this new thing like what instead of staying barney specific and then having a broader show like what's sure. the thought process what's been the evolution to get to this new show it really has come from the fans seeing the responses seeing kind of what they want um they love the show we get so many questions i felt like it would be really great to bring in some Bring in even more guests in a you'll have you're, you're going to have some of the Barney universe and some of, of these kids entertainment people actually being co-hosts on this new show. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get more insider stories. And so it's going to change so much that it just made sense to go as a new show at this point. That makes sense. And I just hope that those Barney universe people episodes are going to be as in the weeds and as specific as PTP has been because, you know, I, I hate to say this, I don't admit this a lot, but when you're sure. in the weeds and you do a podcast yourself, yes. I can't listen to other podcasts. I just can't because I'm like, oh, they could be doing that differently or, oh, I want to do that or it just, it becomes too much noise and I want to focus on what I'm doing. I found TP, PTP as a YouTube show. And I only watch it as a YouTube show. Uh, I want you to get the numbers and the subscribers and everything else, but sure. I only watch it as a YouTube show. And I'm like, I'm engrossed. It is the one podcast, even though I watch it as a kind of a TV docu-series, sure. that I can watch because it is so engrossing. And when you pulled out the show plush, four-year-old me went, what? <laughs> you know, that's just... <laughs> Incredible. You have a magic formula there that I really hope continues. And will we see more of your photography on this new show? Will it be a video series, this new show? It is definitely a video series. We saw how important that was. You know, obviously the world has been kind of surprised that mm -hmm. maybe Bob was a man. So, <laughs> and a little person, right? That yeah. has been something. Um, we're going to go even deeper. So I think this is going to be exciting for you. And I think you're really going to love this because you're going to hear more insider stories than you have. We're really going to get into these things. Um, talking about radio city and some stuff you just won't believe that went on mm -hmm. at those times. And then, like I said, we're going to take it even broader. So I think each week you're now not only going to have a guest, but you're going to have a co-host yeah. and how we all connect 
And I think that's going to really tell the story in a bigger way. Will you have David? Will you have Cheryl? Because those are the two big ones that right. I've been waiting to hear. Do you Have you been in touch with them? Do you know if they want to do it? Uh, you know, again, if this is an awkward on the spot question, I could cut this. Sure. But yeah, I'm curious to know if the creator and then kind of the original Barney, even though the timeline makes me think you were Barney doing the localized stuff before David ever joined. And it was the first guy who was in the suit and then you came along and then David. So sorry to throw all of that at you. No, no, no. um, Will you have David? Will you have Cheryl on the show on the new? Well, first answer your first question there. Yes, it was. So, so I was the second person. Yeah. uh, And then, and then David came in for the TV show. Um, Cheryl, Cheryl loves the show. She, um, I've been talking to a lot of the uh, Dennis DeShazer and a lot of the producers mm-hmm. um, and creators from the show. And so we are hoping to get Cheryl on at some point. She's very aware of the show. And uh, and uh, we're talking we're trying to, you know, uh, we're trying to get David Joyner in. Yeah. Uh, Dean went, you know, Dean Wentz, one of my close friends who did the voice uh, on the Barney show um, with me for Dino 10 Sink. years. Dino so Sink. the Dino Sink. Yeah. So <laughs> we're trying to get Dean in. Um, they've all been contacted It when we were doing. Purple Tales, I was trying to get you a little taste each week, right? Mm-hmm. Someone from the cast world, someone of the kids, one of the business side. So that's kind of why we've kind of held some people out. Um, they're all invited. The bunch of them want to come on. We just want to make sure we tell the whole story. And so in the new show, we're really going to go even deeper with that so that you can see all of these incredible – because there's so much that was going on. And I think you learned through Purple Tales that the production was just so much bigger and so much involved than anyone realized. Well, it's interesting to me because, you know, the again, watching and doing all this research, I'm kind of knee deep in children's entertainment in a way I didn't expect to be almost mm-hmm. when I reached out to you, that there really were only two mega children's brands that were as all encompassing. And that was Barney. And then Barney, in a lot of ways, bore the American success of the Wiggles because of the Intermission Act and all that stuff. Yeah, you have Sesame Street. Yeah, you had Caillou and Mr. Rogers. But Fred Rogers didn't tour. And Sesame Street, yeah, they tour. But it's not the Muppets that tour. It's the costumed characters that tour on the road. So Barney and the Wiggles were really the only two children's franchises Whereas, you know, you can name any plethora of rock bands who are out there making millions and zillions of dollars. So it's really interesting to me that that only two people found the successful or two organizations found the successful formula to go to explode. <laughs> it's amazing. Did you ever given that any thought as to why you kind of were the only game in town really all this time? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. I don't know if you realize it or maybe you do realize that. But, you know, we had Sloan Coleman on and Jake Berry who mm-hmm. did the Barney tour. Well, they also did the Wiggles tour. Wow. Yes. So that's why you see that because Sloan took the same model that she did with Barney mm-hmm. and took that to the – that's what attracted the Wiggles to Sloan and Jake because they had done such a big show. And um, – I really I give so much credit to Sloan Coleman. You know, she's the lady that hired me and started me back with the birthday parties. And she had big ideas. And, you know, she didn't come from L.A. or New York. Right. So her dream and and her passion to do this, they just kind of let her do it. You know, they didn't say you're crazy because you want this money and you want rock and rollers. They just said, "Okay, we trust you and let her do that. It's amazing. 
Speaking of rock and rollers, you've talked a little bit about the celebrity stories. What mm. is the what is the uh, sort of biggest weirdest celebrity story of the whole the whole Barney tenure? Um, well, for me, it would be um, Maria Shriver. Really? Yeah, Arnold Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger's um, wife um, and a reporter and, and all the things she did. I did an event. I did a um, TV guide photo shoot with her mm-hmm. um, in California, and we were doing a promotional thing for PBS, a PBS event. And she was there, and uh, you know, whenever I met celebrities or anyone I met, I usually didn't meet them outside of the costume. Right. So we were in there doing the photo shoot, and then all of a sudden she stuck her head in the mouth, and she goes, "Who's in here?" <laughs> One of the most odd things I'd ever seen that right in front of my face was Maria Shriver right there. Oh, my goodness. And I gave her my name, and she introduced herself, and there we are introducing herself in this very strange way. And you're in the – oh, gosh. Yeah. And then I and then we finished, and uh, we sat and had lunch, and she asked me amazing questions um, all about it. And, you know, another one, I was um, – you know, I met – because of the rock and roll world, I got to go to a lot of shows. I knew mm-hmm. a lot of crew people. And so I got to go see Rod Stewart when I was in, uh, we was in Dallas, Texas. And I brought some Barney stuff because I knew that um, through some of his crew that uh, they were Barney fans. So I brought Barney plushes and stuff to him. Oh, that's cool. And so we're backstage and the security guard says, can I help you? And I said, well, I brought all this for Mr. Stewart. And he said, well, you, you can't see Mr. Stewart. Who are you? And I said, well, I'm Barney. And he goes, no, who are you? And the person with me goes, no, he's Barney. <laughs> and so the guy goes, well, I got to take this stuff you know, for him. And I said, okay, no problem. So I handed him everything. And I went to go talk to my friends that worked on the lighting crew. And so I'm talking to all these guys and we're having this conversation. And all of a sudden, all the guys stand up. And I turn around, and there's Rachel Hunter. He was married to Rachel Hunter at the time. Oh, my goodness. And she grabs my hand. She says, I'm Rachel Hunter. And I'm just, you know, lost all the color in my face. (laughs) And I sat and had a 10-minute conversation with her, and she knew everything about Barney. She asked about Cheryl Lee. She asked about them being teachers. And it, it was incredible over the years. All the celebrities that I met, they were really parents. Mm-hmm. That's they they cared about the character and what it did for their kids. And the celebrity went away, which was so cool. Yeah. And, and you to be your own your own celebrity in that own little world. And just uh, did you appreciate the anonymity or, or was it or were there moments where you're like, I really want people to know I do this and it stinks that they don't, <laughs> you know? I absolutely never wanted it. Yeah, I loved, loved being that person that could go out there. You know, I, I did a show. I always remember I did the show in, in Minnesota, 16,000 people, three shows, 16,000 per show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's as big as any rock concert, screaming and everything. And I get done and I just, you know, put my shorts on and my T-shirt and walk out. And no one has any clue. They're all sitting there going, oh, my God, it was amazing. And they saw Barney and the kids and all that stuff. And it was so cool to be able to hear those stories and hear how it affected everyone. And they had no clue who they were telling it to. And I loved that about it. This is a little cynical, but we don't have that today. We don't have a group. I mean, the Wiggles are still big in Australia, but it does not seem to me – 
that you don't have a group that goes to a hospital and you know about it on the six o'clock news and it's and it's a brand that children really love and and they're doing it not necessarily to get on the six o'clock news but I remember those stories as a kid Barney's in town and he went to you know such and such hospital we don't have that anymore everything is screens and it's great because it allows me to talk sure. to you like we're sitting in the same room but sure. we don't have that today do you think it'll come back I hope so. I think a lot has changed. You know, we we really weren't trying to entertain adults, as I've talked about before. Right. We we did something, you know, unconditional love. I, I, I laugh that these days we're all talking about everyone should be equal and everyone should be unconditional love. And we were doing that 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. We, we, we believed in it way back then. And, you know, I was lucky to come from a family that was all about love. Yeah. And so that's the way I was raised and that's the way everyone in this town in the Barney universe feels as you're seeing it coming on the show. They are also proud of what they did. It wasn't about a paycheck. It was just about the great opportunity to help people. And I know there's people out there that want to do that. And, uh, and I, I hope we'll see more of that. I want to get back to the whole podcasting end of it and the whole, what you're doing now, because we've talked a lot about the history and throughout this whole conversation, I sort of, I love when my guests open up, so I'm just going to ask it. <laughs> what was the journey to accepting that you are Barney? I mean, you talked a little bit about that resistance and not talking about it. And yeah, there was that moment, but like, it sounds like you shied away from it for a while. Why did you shy away from it? And, and what, what was that journey to that moment at that interview where you said, okay, we're going to talk about it? I think I wanted to be careful that people didn't see that I was doing this for financial gain. Yeah. That I was doing that. I didn't want to take away from all the the good mm-hmm. that we had done, you know, because we, this was real. I mean, I spent so many hours sweating and running and jumping and just giving everything I had. And I didn't want to take away from that, um, for financial gain. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that anyone's told me I can't do that or anything of that nature. Right. But I think, you know, I wanted to keep that pure thought. And, and, uh, when I did that podcast and I started seeing people's reactions that when I told a story about going into a hospital and how a child hadn't spoken in two years until they saw Barney and it affected people mm-hmm. and it made their life better. And it got them to go out and help people. And I thought, my goodness, here's a Barney's giving me a second chance to go out and help the world again. And I was just I was just thinking that you just said not two minutes ago that when you all did it, it was for the love of it and it wasn't for the paycheck. Now it's for the love of it on the part of the adults that have grown up with it and not for the paycheck. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful. And I think our politicians, we don't get political on this show. They try yeah. to twist it. They try to say Barney is the reason the millennial generation is, is an entitled generation. No, Barney is the reason the millennial generation is one of the most caring generations about all people. Y- yeah, there's some sort of me, 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 me. But I think every generation has those kinds of growing pains. And I think you are right. It is Barney that taught us this. And and the Wiggles and, and everyone that we like, I would go, you've talked about the millennials that go see the universal show. If it didn't speak on a deeper level and it, if it wasn't something you grow out of, 
that wouldn't happen, you know? It stays with you in a very real way, and I am so glad on behalf of all the fans who love Barney for a myriad of reasons that you see that. That is very meaningful. Well, it's been incredible, the letters that I've gotten from these fans after Purple Tales and talking about, I, I think about this one gentleman that said, you know, I wasn't loved. I came from a family that was divorced. Mm. And Barney is where I learned love. And I'm now an adult and I can listen to the I Love You song if I need some love, if I need that. And I think it's beautiful that people are able to see what they need and they're not ashamed to say, I listen to the I Love You song or the Barney song. Mm-hmm. You know, what we have done in my generation, been able to admit that I needed something like this or that I'm an adult listening to a kid's song. And I think it is so beautiful what's happening. I, I know I mentioned another episode on uh, Purple Tales of this uh, this man that sent me a letter that he lost his grandmother. Yes. And he always watched Barney with her. And the first thing he had to do was go to the Universal show and go see Barney. I love that that we had such an effect and they learned and got love from that. And trust me, I really learned about true love from doing Barney because I saw all these kids and how they reacted to it. I mean, I learned so much about unconditional love and helping people and growing and, and what a better person I am for all the years that I did it. Well, that's beautiful. I, I just, I don't know why we put things in boxes. Oh, this is entertainment for everyone. This is children's entertainment. And if you watch it as an adult, the really interesting thing at the Wiggles the other week. And again, if there were a Barney tour going on right now, I'd want to cover that. But the Wiggles <laughs> right now, they're the main group touring. Sure. And I'm sure it was probably the same way with Barney. The amount of adults in that room that weren't parents, but were people with some sort of special need or some sort of developmental disability, that choked me up. I mean, I didn't expect, I mean, I was like, I, you have to understand, I wore my badge because I went alone to a Wiggles concert like, right. <laughs> uh, of my own volition as an yeah. adult yeah. and not just, and I don't know that I really would, even though I may want to at the core of my bones, go to a Barney concert just for the nostalgia of it. I, something in the back of my adult brain that I can't get over says you have to have a reason. You have to be covering it. You have to have a reason, but I'll go to the Wiggles. I don't care anymore because I wore my badge. I don't even have to do that anymore because to see the adults in that crowd respond, whether they had special needs or not, and to see people my age, maybe a little older, with their kids, that was, ugh, I was done after that. I was beaming from ear to ear and crying at the same time, and I'm a grown-ass man, excuse me, I, I will admit that. You know, it's, we put these things in boxes, and I think, Part of why we have to keep saying, oh, love one another is because we put these things in boxes. And if the lesson we take away from Barney and the Wiggles and all of it, don't do that. You know, right. Unconditional. That's the thing. And, you know, I'm sorry. I promised you we would try to devote equal time to everything. And here we are <laughs> 40 minutes into this. It's, you know, uh, I'm trying to circle it back to the photography. Would you? No, you're all you're all good. <laughs> I love talking about it, and, and I love that you have this passion, and I love that you understand it and get it. And I think it's such an important message to get out there. And and I, let me tell you this too, please. We didn't. It wasn't like there was. Um, 
we were told to give unconditional love. And I think that's the thing that's so beautiful about this, right? Yeah. It's just what, it's just what we did. Like we just didn't see any difference. And so I think that's the thing that's so amazing about this. It's not like we decided we're going to go after this or that. Mm-hmm. It was really about entertaining and educating children. Yeah. And that was the message. And really, you know, obviously getting them at that young age and what it all turned into was beautiful. And I obviously get contacted a lot by the special needs kids. And it's it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, their love, their passion for it. And it, it's just an absolutely beautiful thing to see. It really is. Now, they're, in this world where we're reviving everything, mm-hmm. you you mentioned this very briefly on the on the show that you've you've been back in the suit because you went up to Connecticut you uh, yes. to do uh, that gentleman's retirement what is on the production front anything anything that you can talk about please you're smirking you're smirking I I, I, I wish I had something really um, really it's it's right now it's just this new podcast but mm-hmm. understand some of this new podcast came from that um, you're going to see some people um, even in a bigger way that you're going to get to really see hear some stories and I think that's really going to be exciting and hopefully maybe this will start you know bubbling we've talked about some things and so who knows where it all will go but I think the big start will be with this new podcast and um, and really excited to get it out there. You know, I'm half tempted when we get off of here to be like, how can I apply to moderate one of these episodes? Because it's just, I will fly down to Texas. I don't care. It's well, just... <laughs> I'd like to, we'll, we may just talk about that. <laughs> you know, I, I, cause I get it. And I'm, you, you probably don't know about my background. I started out as a children's magician and ventriloquist. Okay. Um, and that led to doing a show that became a celebrity talk show. And I've, I've gone over that a hundred thousand times. And that's why I get it because there's a conference every year that I still attend because I moderate conversations there and it's a children's and family entertainment conference. And so I'm still very much plugged into that world, even though I don't perform so much anymore, kind of like you, you're, you're hosting and sure. you're talking about it and you still get it, but right. you're not out jumping around and doing three sixties anymore in a right. 50 pound suit. So right. that's kind of how I feel is that I don't perform. My career has taken me in a media direction, but I'm still very much plugged into it and I get it. And so that's just it. Would you ever consider a photography series on Barney or, or, anything to do with your history, anything like has that percolated just kind of getting together with that crew to, to use that set of your skills in, in any creative way? Well, you know, I do some of it for some of the, the people oh, really? that with Barney. Yeah. So, um, I think you saw, I forget which episode it was, but Josh Martin, yes, who one of the Barney's on tour, you know, he has a, uh, a band he has several bands to play i do all the photography for him oh that's cool uh, yeah i actually got to meet two live crew i actually shot pictures for them based off of uh, doing a show with josh so uh, i still am with a lot of the barney people and we do some some projects and um i think you know after the response to purple tales it's it's really got me percolating and that's where this new show came in it it seemed like a great time we we were originally scheduled to do 23 episodes of purple tales and that's why we ended at that time. Mm-hmm. 
And we were talking about doing more Purple Tales, and I really wanted to go in this bigger direction. And so it seemed like the perfect time to do this. You know, the uh, I have to ask, I guess the way I've, I've asked this a couple of times throughout, but I guess this is the more appropriate way to ask this question. Before sure. you started this, was there a bit of cynicism on your part as to how talking about a children's show, talking about Barney, would be received by an adult audience? Because you sound so blown away. Were you worried about how it would be received, that sort of boxing in that I was talking about earlier? Or did you have the confidence that it would go in a very positive direction? Uh, no, I, I am definitely blown away. I wasn't yeah. sure what the reaction was going to be by any means. I mean, we're our viewership on, on YouTube is just amazing. Yeah. And even though we haven't done a show in a month, it's been, or over a month, the ratings are still going. And you know, that was show was done organically. Mm -hmm. We never, we never, we just put it out there. And so, um, I've seen the effect it has every week when we would go into the studio, you know, all the staff there are millennials. Wow. They'd all run down and have to get their pictures with everyone and have us sign dolls. And, <laughs> and uh, I've been on several podcasts since then. I was one on, uh, the other day, and the girl that booked me had to drive to the studio. They said she, they've done 43 episodes, and I'm the first person that she had to come meet. So the effect that, that Barney has had on people mm -hmm. has really shocked me. And now I see – how much impact we can have and how much good we can have and just wait till the new stuff that you're going to see. I think you're going to even be blown away about how far we can go with this. That is awesome. And I guess my last question then is you, you resisted talking about Barney for so long. You focused on the photography. You had to get used to people hiring you because they knew Barney. Yeah. Where do you see the rest of, uh, this is such a lofty question, but kind of <laughs> the rest of your life, the rest of your media career going from sort of this point onward? Is it, is it fully embracing it from here on out or is this just one more revisit and then you'll, you'll move on to something else? How has this changed your perspective of what your future and your career as an adult now looks like? I think I'm going to see how far it'll go. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying it so much. Reconnecting with these people has been incredible. Being able to touch people has been incredible. Um, I've done some motivational speaking since then. Oh my goodness. Um, and the reaction, it, it really is helping people. It's really, I think these days as, as cynical as people have become, mm -hmm. And they hear these stories of hope and they hear these stories of people that I don't want anything other than tell you I love you yeah. and help you and see you do well in life. And I think it gives people hope that there's people out there like that. And now they're telling the messages. And so I'm going to go as far as this thing. Well, let me go and see what happens because I really am enjoying. And I, I feel like Barney's giving me a gift again. I really do. It's It's amazing. It's amazing, and I'll tell you what, I hope to see you back uh, and one with a purple dinosaur on television or on tour very, very soon. Uh, I hope you can still do those 360s because you should do you should do the Barney Legacy Tour cast. Everybody, you know, you get Min back and she's grown up now and <laughs> revisits the treehouse. I don't know. Just... Did you see the Did you see the video I did in in Connecticut? Yeah, I saw that. Yes, I, 
I could still move a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like I had I had done it yesterday. It, it's such a powerful the energy, getting back involved with that and getting back with Dean Went, uh, Dean Wentz. I mean, it was just incredible. So yeah, I, I got a few things up my sleeve still. Thank you, Kerry Stinson. This was amazing. Well, it's a pleasure. I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Thank, thank you, you for having me on. Thank you for being on. Kerry, thank you so much. I am so honored to be on this Purple Roads journey with you. Everybody, stay tuned to our Facebook and Twitter. We will post the link to the first episode on December 6th. We will post the uh, where you can follow it, where you can like it on Facebook, and we will post the website when it is up because there will be a website for the show. And like Carrie said, this is going to be a broad thing. Purple Tales was very narrow with just what was happening with Barney, and this is that road that Barney went on that touches all of those wonderful, wonderful children's brands. So thank you, Carrie, for entrusting me with this, and I look forward to many more conversations as you grow Purple Roads. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is it for us today. Stay tuned to us on talkfor2.com. That's our mothership. Subscribe to us in iTunes and Stichter, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at talkfor2. Signing off, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com. <laughs>